Micro-machines go for fun, highways and byways. Micro-machines work hard at dumping dirt and working the crane at Ace Construction and cruising through the highways and byways toll plaza. Get back at the off-road campsite. Highways and byways, cool places for micro-machines. Yeah. Micro-machines, vehicle packs, and highways and byways playsets, each sold separately. You put them together. Dude, they, they did that Bob Ross documentary, bro, and it is fucking, it's heavy. It's heavy. heavy. It, it it's sad, man, because Aww. uh like like any kind of Bob Ross merchandise that you see in the stores, it doesn't go back to his or his family. It it goes to uh his business consultants or his uh his part his business partners and they just did some shady shady dealings uh in his last days, man. Uh it's this married couple and they were artists themselves and um you know they they take credit for basically giving him his start into television and uh throughout the course of bob ross's career man uh they just started being really greedy and they started putting his name and moniker on these different paint brushes and these different paints and and bob was about quality he's like hey man you guys are cheapening the product um, like I, if, if we're going to do this with my name on it, I want to make sure my shit is legit. And they were just like, ah, whatever. And they just kind of had a rift, man. And there, it was rumored that Bob Ross was having an affair with the wife of the married couple. Uh, but they, they still, to this day, both of them are alive. They deny that any of the affairs were happening, man. Uh, so it, it's, I, I believe it's produced and directed by Bob Ross's uh, son, who's actually a, a just as good of an artist, man. And he's not getting a cent of that. Um, yeah. But dude, yeah, if, if you're a fan of Bob Ross, dude, it, it's definitely worth a check out, man. And it, it's just sad uh, because like- How are you gonna another... do Bob Ross dirty, dude? That's like right. the, I mean, I thought when you said it was sad that he ended up being some kind of a prick, but that's not the no. case. He just got done real dirty financial no dude like the bob ross you saw like that was the real deal man he, he's actually a gentle dude um he really cared about teaching people art um he he was oh my god man it, it's definitely worth a check out but uh they've been doing a good job with these documentaries because there's that one and then there's one on uh the danbury trashers uh they they say that this guy was the real life tony soprano and he ran this garbage business up in Connecticut, Danbury, Connecticut. And, you know, he was tied to the to the mob and uh, he made so much money that he bought a minor league hockey team and gave it to his son. And his son was like uh, the, the son off of Sopranos. He was just like this young, like punk dude. And, you know, but like the team was good um, because he was really into hockey and he was kind of like a Theo Epstein where he was looking into the stats and the numbers of everything. And he pieced these guys together and like they were kicking ass, like literally and figuratively, man. Uh, they were really good winning games and they were like, their their focus was like getting into fights. And <laughs> yeah, they just put that one out, man. Um, so Damn, yeah, I never even out. heard of that shit. I definitely want, where's that at? 
that's on Netflix, man. Okay. Um, I, I never heard of it, but it, this happened in the early 2000s. Um, it's and it's about the Danbury Trashers because the son he was really big into wrestling. Like uh, like he seems like he was the same age as us, and his dad just spoiled him. And he showed they showed pictures and videos of the dad like bringing actual wrestlers to his birthday party you see triple h you see the rock and and this is the rock before he became the rock um they're coming to the dude's house for his birthday man and so he wanted to implement hockey with wwf man and uh yeah damn that guy sounds like a genius this fucking mafia kid had some good fucking ideas steve oh yeah um, Can you imagine like your friends. dad's such a mob boss that he buys you a <laughs> minor league hockey team? I mean, damn. I just wanted a pair of shoes for my birthday. This kid got a team. What was that movie? Remember that movie with the kid who gets the twins? He inherits the twins. Little Big League is the name of this movie, Steve. It came around. It came out like right as the same time as Rookie of the Year, so it's like two baseball movies. But the the concept of this movie was this kid's grandfather owns the Twins, I believe. He dies, okay. and he inherits the team and becomes the GM of the team as like a fifth grader. Yeah. I think. I, okay, I was getting them mixed up with Angels in the Outfield because there were like a bunch of movies oh, yeah. like that. There was like Rookie of the Year, and then that one, yeah. Um, and then Great. Little Giants. They were all around that same time, like little kids playing sports. Little Big League was even more hilarious because it put a kid in the position of being a GM for a baseball team. So at one point in this movie, a fifth grade kid fires a full grown man from a, the Minnesota Twins. And the guy gives an impassioned, angry speech to this kid about being fired from the, t I mean, it's wild, Steve. He's like, I can't believe you, Billy. Like that's definitely the line from the movie. It's it's a great movie. We gotta watch it. I got mortgages, motherfucker. Um, I got what kids, is man? What is mortgages, sir? <laughs> I gotta do my homework, Steve. So if you could just get out of my office, thanks. God. Can I get a juice box, dude. I'm telling you, Matt. If this podcast and shit don't work out, I'm turning into pornography. Um, I oh, think whoa. that, uh, you know, these these uh, porn parodies have taken off recently, these uh, TV movie parodies. And I got a couple good ideas, man. Uh, you know, Rain Man, uh, I think I got a good one called Thang Man. Um, oh, wow. OK. Big dick. Really big dick. Really big dick. Got a really, got a, got a, got a, got a really big dick. And then, oh, uh, so, so he's autistic and is playing a huge dong? And he's slanging that thing, thing man. Wow, and that's groundbreaking, yeah. Steve. That you might yeah, win some awards. <laughs> oh yeah, it is groundbreaking. And I, I got an idea for a, a, a gangbang series uh, based on a, a famous TV show from the '80s, '90s called My Two Dads. And uh, you know, <laughs> yeah. It, and because the girl isn't doing anything lately, uh, I, I think I could get the real uh, girl from uh, Stacy Keenan. I think her name was from um, Step by Step. Yeah, because Dude, yeah, I wouldn't mind Charles seeing her. in charge is like a BDSM movie. It's he's he's in charge. You know what I'm talking about? Yeah. You could probably get Scott Bayo. I mean, a lot of these don't have to be parodies. These can just be yeah. erotic retellings. Dude. Yeah.
Like, Scott Bear, what are you doing? Nothing. Uh, that's just what I thought. Just putting out a bunch of right wing fucking conspiracy I'm, I'm theories. I'm fucking Sorry. a woman right now, Steve. <laughs> oh, well, how convenient. We want to tape you doing that and <laughs> put a story around it. How do you feel? Hey. Gotta- yeah, so let's get Scott Bayo and Willie Ames. And uh, yeah. What about his, but what about Buddy from Charles in Charge? Can we get him? He's probably, yeah. he's definitely available, right? That's, yeah, that's Willie Ames. Oh, Willie Ames. I'm sorry. Wow. Also, that guy, you know, now that I'm thinking of it, we were talking about Sid Justice's hair. He kind of had that look, didn't he? <laughs> dude, Buddy, dude. Who fucking, nobody loves Buddy. Nobody mentions Buddy as in all time. I don't, what, neighbor, friend? I don't know what you call him in that. Uh, what do you, the, he was like Charles's buddy, right? Wing, I mean, wingman. Yeah, exactly. There you go. Wingman Hall of Fame. It, it's it's Buddy. There's Rollo from Sanford and Son, and uh, who who uh, Larry from Three's Company. He always had some chicks lined up for uh, Jack Tripper. Hey, Jack, <laughs> we gotta go to the Regal Beagle. I got these three hot blondes. Three, the, yeah, three wingmen right there, man. They always had some hoes lined up for their homie. Where were those at when we were growing up, Steve? I mean, we had a lot of friends, but there were not a lot of hoes. You know what I'm I had talking ugly about? Jason. Not for us. <laughs> I had ugly Jason in Perrysburg. Yeah, he didn't you have ugly hoes. Jason and Fat Matt, Steve. She just weren't working with a great crew. I mean, I, I think I could have charmed. I did charm some ladies, but, you know, you having did. ugly Jason on, that just fucked the vibe you, all up, you know? You you were like a you were like a white suburban Biggie Smalls. Yeah, exactly. In a way, because, you know... <laughs> You 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 had you had a certain style to you, man. You had the uh, the Ralph Lauren from time to time. You you had a couple. Well, you, you know why the, that is, Steve? Because at the time, Ralph Lauren was the one that was offering the most uh, high quality, like triple XL shirts. So, you know. Hey, but but them shits was clean. I never. You're right. You know what? You, I, right. you, you never. You always smelled good. You kept some smell good on you. <laughs> so it's like you you worked with what you had. <laughs> well, I had to because. Ugly Jason's nose would have smelled any discrepancy in that immediately. And so you don't want that. You don't want Ugly Big Jason call, telling you you smell. Wasn't that the name of the characters on the Smurfs? Didn't they have characters named Big Nose? There was like a, a wife and a husband. Uh, maybe I got the cartoons mixed up. I don't but remember, I remember that like, one. Big Nose. Big Nose. <laughs> from Kool-Aid Soft Drinks. Big Flamingo. Wow. With its incredible new taste. And you really gotta go for Big Flamingo. But, uh, <laughs> hey, boys and girls, this is Steve G and Man G with Happen in the 90s, a show where we talk about things that happen in the 90s. So get out your Megazords and your Allen Iverson Reeboks because I'm sitting in the basement, sitting on a tricycle girl, getting on my nerves, going out of my mind, thought she was fine, don't know if her body's hers. Damn. Yeah. I, I thought you were going to go with the Mighty Morphin Power Range. Like it happened in the 90s. That's a good Ooh. one, Steve. We need to use that. Let's clip put that. On that. 
clip I that. Hey, hey, producer off screen, producer, clip that. Because, because I, I like the ending of that song because it, it's so much passion. <laughs> you mighty morphin' power ranger. I mean, who sang that song, Steve? Wasn't that the guy who owned the shit? Wasn't that Saban? Oh, was it that sang it? <laughs> I don't know. I might have just made. I'm high, Steve. I might have oh. made that one up. But. No way, dude. Saban was a businessman. He was about getting that shit into play. He he was like the uh, Al Davis of the shit. It's like, all right, I'm gonna put the pieces together, and then y'all y'all do what y'all do from there. Okay, Ron Wasserman with the fucking tasty licks on that, Steve. So shout out to Ron Wasserman. You killed this. Yeah, man. And by the way, uh, on the day we're shooting this, uh, September 4th, uh, this is actually the anniversary of, of uh, Thai Trang's death. Um, Trini. Who? Oh, Trini, damn. The Yellow so Ranger. Or the Pink Ranger. Is Trini. Or, no, it is the Yellow Ranger, my bad. Yeah, it's the Yellow Ranger. Well, I didn't know that. I knew she was dead and rest in peace. She was dope. Um, yeah, I was excited to watch Mighty Morphin Power Rangers, Steve. I, it, it's it's porn. We were talking about porno. It, it's like watching a porno with no, it's crazy. Watching it now, it's it's wild to see what I was so into back then. I'm. It's, it's a great show, but it's crazy. Uh, I misspoke. Ye- uh, yesterday was the, the anniversary, September 3rd. Okay. Um, yeah, but yeah, man, I, I've been looking forward to doing Power Rangers, uh, and today is our moment, man. Uh, I, I only watched the first season as a kid because we were in fifth grade when it came out, 93. Uh, and then come sixth grade, it was like, man, it was that age where it's like, should I still be kind of watching this shit? or? Yeah. Yeah, should I be watching like more adult things and like you know looking for some Mighty Morphin Poontang? I think when did Green Ranger come into the mix? I mean, I when I kept with this well past the first season, but I do remember that <clears throat> that line you had to cross where you were watching shit and you had to like inwardly question that you know like should I be doing this now? I don't want anybody to find out I'm watching this shit. Yeah. It was like when I, here's a great example, Steve, and this is not, it's a little bit different. I listened to 311 a lot, but when I, I loved it, but when I got to, in school, I heard a lot of rumblings and people thought it was, it was whack. They didn't like, it. they made fun of it. So I hid my love of 311 for a long time until we got to college. Wow. Really. So that's messed up, man. 311 no. deserves the love. Coming like a nightmare. Nick Hexum is so rich, he owns his own island, Steve. So they're, they're clearly successful. Wow. Who doesn't love a good tasty 311 track? There's something for everybody. Amber is the color of your energy. <laughs> Whoa. Whoa. I, I want to do a hula dance to that shit. <laughs> bring, bring, bring. But in 1990, the U.S. Open men's tennis. 19-year-old Pete Sampras wins his first Grand Slam title, and he beats fellow American Andre Agassi. Uh, I, I was an Andre Agassi fan because he had cool hair and he had Nikes. He had some really cool Nikes back in the day. Um, but Pete Sampras, look at that guy, to- Steve. Look at him. Yeah, man. Look at that mullet. 
it's not even a mullet. That's just luscious hairs. I mean, Hulk Hogan wishes he had straight that. up. He was like the sexy because he had like photo. He would had camera commercials. I remember or film commercials that he was a a very famous fucking tennis player. Which other than what's his name, the angry guy, um, oh, uh, McEnroe. Yeah, McEnroe. That guy was pretty famous. There was a few, but I'm definitely Agassi was one of the top uh, most famous tennis players. Had to be. And then Pete Sampras sure, comes in looking like a high school senior, just trying to graduate. And, and you know, I, I didn't really. When it came down between Andre Agassi and Pete Sampras, I would always go for Agassi because of what you said. He had like the cool factor, and Pete Sampras looks like uh, uh, Bobby Brady. He just always yeah. had that that like short perm head. He looked like one of the Menendez brothers, bro. And uh, whoa, yeah. that's cra- that is crazy. <clears throat> yeah, he's same kind of hair, He's he's so successful, you can't deny it. But it's like you're boring, dude. Sorry. What, what, yeah, exactly. Where's the wow factor? You're like you're boring. Uh, but in reality, he's married to Veronica Vaughn, Sonya Blade. Um, <laughs> what? Yeah, Pete Sampras, bro. Is one hot piece of ace, Steve. I mean, I know from personal experience. <laughs> no, you don't. <laughs> yeah, but I oh, damn, Pete Sam, dude. I mean, I Agassi had he had some tasty treat too. He had, he was in like a famous couple. I forget who it was. Kim Basinger, maybe somebody of that mm, nature. No, that no, that was Alec Baldwin. Uh, he was married to was it? Claudia Schiffer, maybe it just some. It was one of like those model models. chicks. Yeah, uh, dude, his Wikipedia is too fucking big. I am scrolling, and he was married to Brooke Shields. Brooke Shields, um, look at damn. Yeah. And, and then he married um, Steffi Graf, which I mean, she's not Brooke Shields, but I mean, hey, he's a, he likes tennis though. You get to hang out and play tennis with a pro too. That's a I mean, Brooke Shields ain't slanging that fucking tennis ball like that probably pretty boring she's out there like oh i love this andre and she's just like hitting it out he's like god damn it yeah great can you please fucking go get those balls you just shagged out of the (laughs) for real or shag my balls and she once farted on the blue lagoon Mm. or no wait was it no uh, i was once on the blue lagoon and then yeah terrence and philip (laughs) farted in her face Did you get that reference? I, I mean, once you kind of explained it, yes, I did. I like that. All right. But in uh, <laughs> 1991, the Fresh Prince of Bel-Air, we're back in Bel-Air, baby. Hmm. They're airing the episode, Did the Earth Move for You? And this is an iconic episode to me. Why is that, Steve? You mentioned it as iconic. This is not one I remembered, but it is great. So I'm just wondering, why do you remember this it's- so much? Um, I remember it because uh, to me at the time, it was a big deal. Uh, You know, Tisha Campbell, she played the girlfriend on this episode and she was already on House Party. And I was like, oh, wow, this is the girl from House Party. Cool. And uh, this was like his first girlfriend. He dated girls in the first season. Um, But this is season premiere, the season two premiere. And this is his actual girlfriend and he's all booed up with. And it, it just had some funny moments, uh, you know, most memorably when they were stuck in the basement. And like I that song that I sung at the beginning. Yeah, I, I never forgot it, bro. Like that's <laughs> something that always it's one of the things that always stuck in my head. 
Sitting in the basement, sitting on a tricycle, girl, getting on my nerves. Going out of my mind, thought she was fine, don't know if everybody is hurt. You know, he pulls her wig off, all of that shit, man. <laughs> that shit was funny as fuck, dude. But, I mean, shout out to Tisha Campbell, queen of the 90s. I mean, this is a very yes. Martinish episode. She's acting, she does a lot of stuff. This is almost like an audition for Martin, almost. Like, she has a lot yeah. of the same shit, and... She is one of the the funniest like girlfriend characters. Like she's one of the funniest ones in the nineties. I mean, maybe it's because I love Martin so much, but she was but, great in this too. But I, even outside the nineties, man, she—I think she's on my Mount Rushmore of comedic actresses, man. Uh, she's up there with Lucille Ball, Carol Burnett, the Lily Tomlins. Um, she because she was in some iconic shit. She was in this episode. She was in Boomerang. She played Eddie Murphy's neighbor. She was yep. in House Party. She was in Martin, obviously. Uh, My wife and kids. Um, oh damn, she got, was in that, wasn't she? Yeah, hell yeah. yeah. She she's got the timing with with Damon Wayans, <clears throat> man. So she's been around some great people, man. Um, but in this episode, Phil and Vivian feel that Will and his new girlfriend are moving too fast. And in the opening scene, Will is on the phone with his mom, letting her know how everything's going in Bel Air. And he's basically lying to her. Uh, are you eating a balanced diet? Yes, mom. Although he's eating a pizza. Are you cleaning up after yourself? Yes, mom. Although he's leaving a mess behind for Jeffrey to clean up. Are you making things difficult for your aunt and uncle? No, ma'am. Although we hear a car crash with Uncle Phil off camera yelling, Will! <laughs> Yeah, he's definitely not. He's fibbing to his mom a lot. Um, Uncle Phil is always not happy with Will. Uh, but we find out here that not only does Will have a girlfriend who he's talking to uh, a lot, um, Carlton. Uh, wait, I'm sorry. My notes are all fucked up. And Viv. I'm sorry. Circle back, Steve. Uh, and Viv is in the kitchen of this beautiful place. And apparently Uncle Phil's installed a bunch of appliances that are these space age appliances and and Viv just can't cope. She's burning yeah. shit. Like shit's going on, something's on fire. But Uncle Phil comes in and he's got tickets to apparently something that's a hot ticket, the People's Choice Awards. The People's Choice Awards, yeah. <laughs> and and they get to sit next to the Terminator himself. Wow. Which at the time that would have been even I I don't even know when that wouldn't be huge. Because even now, I'd be like, holy fuck, Schwarzenegger. But oh, even yeah. then, this is back then, still get to sit next to the Terminator. And who's more excited about that than anybody, Steve? Jeffrey. Jeffrey? Because he, he, I mean, he starts singing show tunes, Steve. He's so excited to meet the Terminator. I get to meet the Terminator. Hey, big spender. I mean, it's weird. He's definitely into it. But guess what, Steve? Uncle Phil's rich dilettante ass didn't buy his help a ticket. He doesn't get he doesn't get to see the Terminator. And Jeffrey, he's gonna suck it up, but he ain't happy. He's, he's eating. He's he's flabbergasted. <laughs> oh, God, what a dick move, dude! Like it, you, you're hanging out with Jeffrey all the time. He's the sassiest butler. You there? You have a great rapport. He's part of the family. It's got to be a slap in the face to not buy this guy a ticket. I mean, what do you think? They acting like he, yeah, he, they act like he doesn't count. He's just a servant. He cooks your food. Let's put it that way. I, you could get a couple of extra ingredients in that soup if you keep doing this, Uncle Phil. And yeah, 
I'm not into that. So Jeffrey's pissed. Will doesn't even really register. Or like, maybe I went over it, but he's been talking to this new chick and he's talked, they're on multiple phones. This shit's crazy. This is new love, Steve. He's all goo goo gaga gooey about her. Have you, do you remember times like this in your life where you just, all you wanted to do was like talk to a new chick? Do you remember like this type of oh. excitement? Oh yeah, dude. Do you remember like calling for the first time and the oh. parent picks up? And, uh, uh, um, I, I, I wanted to speak to uh, Deborah. Uh. <laughs> yeah, dude. I high school that was a whole different. Anytime, even as like an adult, when you're like getting into it, the first like few days when you start really communicating with somebody is just intense. But Will's, this is new love. I don't know what grade he's in at this point, but he. This is right when the. This is the most exciting thing of all time. This is his it. first boo in Bel Air. Yeah, exactly. And what and he even got he he has the girl on his t-shirt. Wow. I didn't get that, Steve. I didn't get that at all. He has the girl on his t-shirt. Yeah. You didn't catch that? No. Yeah, when he's on the phone with her, he's got like this uh, you know, t-shirt that probably came from a mall kiosk. And he's just like, yeah, she's just, it's, it's oh, Kathleen. I, I honestly did not, I must have been writing a note. I didn't notice that. Yeah, man. Damn. I've never done that, Steve. I mean, I've done, I love my wife now. I've done a lot of cheesy shit uh, for women in my life with my wife and with other women, but putting them on a shirt, I don't know. Well, so far you haven't, but uh, after she hears this, it's probably going to give Kendra some ideas. Son of you a know, bitch. that would be so sweet. Let's get let's get the dog. Let's just do this. Okay. Yeah. God damn it. $80? <laughs> Great. <laughs> Great. Uh, okay. Well, I hope she doesn't hear this part of this, Steve. I don't want that to happen. I can't walk around but, Long Beach with me, my wife, and my dog on a shirt. I'm going to get robbed within yeah, blocks. Please. Yeah, because everybody's going to see that and be like, whoops. Um, <laughs> now, Will brings Kathleen to the house to have dinner with the family. And even she has a ticket to the People's Choice Awards. Uh, Jeffrey is pissed. He's flabbergasted. And he drops this hard-ass baked potato on their damn plates. I don't even think they're cooked, Steve. No. They <laughs> can't drop they some cook raw potato. <laughs> oh, those Jason gadgets. But also, dude, come on. This is a thing I see on TV a lot that I've never seen. I've never, like, this would be flabbergasting to me if I was Uncle Phil. Will and Kathleen just start making out at the table. Like, who the fuck does that? And you know how crazy your uncle is? I mean, even if your uncle was cool, this is weird. And don't do this. Yes. You know, we don't need this. I'm trying to eat breakfast or whatever the fuck they're eating, but that was wild i just i i don't ever think i've ever seen that even if we were in college and somebody had their girlfriend you don't really look over and they're just like oh. yeah the fresh prince is getting way too fresh and even uncle phil's like this is a dinner table not the back seat of a of a chevy or some shit <laughs> i think and then he pulls him to the side he's like i need to talk to both of you now yeah about putting your dick in her <laughs> I mean, this is clearly they've already, you would think they've already fucked, but that's not the case. But this is essentially, he has like a birds and the bees conversation with them. Puppy love. 
Yeah, I mean, I've never, my parents never did this. I never had an adult really do this because it was really unnecessary, I feel like. By the time we were, I got to the age where this was a problem, I knew everything I needed to know, you know? I didn't even die to be like, wrap it up. You guys better not fuck this up. <laughs> Dude, even now in our 30s, man, you're not going to do that in front of your parents, man. Just like like sharing slob with Kendra at the dinner table. No. Like, oh, blah, blah. Hell no, dude. It's just weird. It's just more, I would just feel uncomfortable. It's like if somebody's cool with that, like I don't understand the vibe. Like I'm picturing Uncle George Leroy just like, the swingers. Like I remember when we were like that. Yeah, it's just right. like a big makeout session at the table. Like this is not a Brazers episode, guys. This isn't the introduction <laughs> to a porno. I don't like this. Would it, like what would George Leroy's response be? Would he just like? That's my guys, boy. Guys. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> just slam his hand on the guys. Come on. Come on. Get out of here. <laughs> I don't even know. Honestly, Steve, I don't know because I would never do that. If I did it, they probably my mom would my mom would be the first and she'd be like, oh gee, George, do something. <laughs> yeah, let him let him finish. <laughs> But dude, uh, there, son, give it to, really get it in there. I don't know. But, uh, Uncle Phil is not happy. I don't think my I think my dad would do the same thing. But I'm, th you know, this I don't know why as a high schooler you would be doing this because you don't want them to know you're up to these shenanigans. You want to sneak no. away into that creepy room with all your shit in it and bang it out. But a no, they're all out. Apparently, Will is like. Thinking she's wifey material after like a week, which we've been there, Steve. You know, yeah. you've fallen in love with the wrong woman every once in a while. That's happened yeah. to me. We've all been yeah. there. I don't want to get into a downer convo, but Will is just like, he rose colored glasses. This woman can do no wrong. She's perfect. Look at her. And she's beautiful. Look at her. Yeah, man. Keisha Campbell. I mean, who wouldn't want to date her? Hottie of the 90s, man. And uh, we, we find out that Uncle Phil was actually able to finagle an extra ticket for Jeffrey. Um, but uh, Uncle Phil forgot the other tickets. Uh, he left them on his desk in his office downtown. So him and Aunt Viv have to leave to retrieve them in time for the show. Uh, Jeffrey's driving Hillary, Carlton, and Ashley, while Will and Kathleen are driving separately. Um, but before they leave, Will wants to get his lucky baseball mitt from the basement so that Daryl Strawberry can sign it. Um, is Daryl Strawberry going to be there or is he going to be in rehab? I don't. Daryl Strawberry is going to be yacked out of his brain there. You're not getting an autograph. He's going to do a line off the glove and just send you on his way. But here's my thing. These guys are living in Bel Air, Steve. They're rich. Why are they traveling like they're going to a buffet and they have to like, we can't all fit in the car. So let's all take that. Get a, get a limo, Uncle Phil. What, what's going on here? Yeah. Yeah, it could fit the whole family. Uncle Phil, you're living in Bel Air. Live it up. But no, they all got to separate. So it's Uncle Phil and Aunt Viv going to the office. Carlton. Um, God, what's her name? Hillary and Ashley. Yeah. And Jeffrey in the Volvo. And I guess, I don't even know, because Will and uh, Kathleen, they're, they're in the house still trying to get this glove for Daryl to get signed. But... Uh, in the midst of all this, there's an earthquake, Steve. And that's another iconic moment, man. That's very uh, memeable. I feel like I've seen that 
image uh, floating around on these internet streets. And oh, Will yeah. is shook because he's from Philly. They all have earthquakes in Pennsylvania. You know, he's like, and I'm used to Philly stakes and, you know, people shooting at each other. Yeah. Um, <laughs> people at move, not the ground, course. bitch. What's going on? I, it is scary, but Will is he instant PTSD. He saw his life yeah. flash before his eyes, see. And he's shook, man. He's under the table, hugged up on his teddy bear. Is uh, you know, he may never see his mom again. He may never go to Zimbabwe. He may never dunk on Michael Jordan. Fun fact: not many people were able to do that. Will uh, he yeah. may never see Rudy get married to the on the Cosby's? Um, all of that. I mean, and Jeffrey and the kids are stuck on the highway uh, in a blackout during an earthquake in Los Angeles. So. <clears throat> Everyone else is, you know, they're safe and sound in a building of some kind. Jeffrey and them are out. Nobody seems to care about that. They're out in the wilds in a blackout in L.A., Steve. I would be terrified. But Jeffrey, they're all having a great time. They're singing. Fucking Hillary's acting like a five-year-old kid in the car, annoying everybody. I forget what she was. What was she singing? No, Ashley was singing uh, the Flintstones theme song. Yeah, that's what it was. And it's and then I mean Jeffrey at this point wants to just slap everybody in the face. I think he rips the knob off a of radio and like throws it outside. But they're in real danger. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and then we cut back to the house, and you know, here's the thing: what the fuck was this room in the in this mansion that just is like the creepy room you throw all the trash in? I don't get this. Yeah, like everything else in the house looks, you know, state of the art, top notch, you know, clean. Like Jeffrey totally neglected. This is this Jeffrey's room. room. They're like, get in the fucking closet, Jeff. You fuck. Yeah. This is where Will keeps all of his shit. They were like, ugh, there might be yeah. bed bugs all over this poor people shit. You know, Will throw it in the garbage room. Whatever. You know, here's your toys. Here's a. T- I think there's a teddy bear in there. Yeah. Uh, there's a there's a bunch of freezers. Who knows what the uh, Uncle Phil's hiding evidence? He's like got shit back there, and yeah. Bill is still in pieces. Um, he's like you said, hiding under a table. And now the relationship with Kathleen, we're seeing maybe they're it's not the first. really the perfect couple. You know, it's the first test. Yeah, and it's a tough test. I mean, yeah. you get in a relationship with somebody and then you get caught like in in this situation where you're trapped in a room after an earthquake, you know, it's going to tear. It's, it's going like to pull some stuff a little thin. You're going to pull on some strings, Steve. It's, it's kind of like the pandemic. You know, I, I'm sure you've heard stories about, you know, couples being tried like, oh, I got to deal with this motherfucker in this house for four months, five months. Yeah, I fucking hate him now. I can't imagine being in like the the situations where you hear like, oh, I started dating some guy or some girl like two weeks and then we just decided to move in together because of the pandemic. I mean, what a nightmare. What a nightmare. I can't imagine that. I'm very lucky that I didn't get I mean, we do get on each other's nerves. Obviously, we're real people, but me and my wife did pretty good. But if I was shacked up with some of my exes, I mean, there might have been a murder. (laughs) <laughs> I, I, hey, he or them who knows you know i'm not facts but if, or wow. you would have caught some kind of case i mean i feel like it just is one of those things where with that added to it where it's like oh we're in this apartment but we can't go you can't go anywhere at certain points in los angeles or where you know at most places i just can't imagine that what a nightmare 
Because I've been so in you some shot, Melanie. <laughs> you could you couldn't <laughs> just hit her. <laughs> Steve Kendra is gone. Okay, she just she just left. Okay. So you so you <laughs> you couldn't just hit her, man. <laughs> Yeah, she what was a just great line, me. dude. I always wonder some of those lines of Jackie Brown. Like, did they improv a lot of that? How much of that is improv? Is that all on the page? You know, yeah. it's just wild. But sidetrack the fuck, Sally, because we're back Sally. in this fucking basement. Will and Kathleen, they're about to start going to blows. Because, but, but before we get to that, he he says he's content as long as he gets to stare into Kathleen's beautiful green eyes. But wait. What happened to your beautiful green eyes? She put them in her little black purse. But he he tells her that he loves her for what's inside. She and she loves him because he's so wonderful. They get to kissing, and as Will grabs Kathleen's head, he pulls off her wig and flips out. The fuck? What's real, Steve? What is real? But I mean, it's still Tisha Campbell. But I get it. You're a little scared at this point, but just it keeps happening they get now they start getting he's he yells she's becoming a little annoyed at him he's becoming a little annoyed at her and then at one point i think she starts ripping her fucking nails off so it's like yeah. bitch are you alive like are you yeah. decaying like what is this am i cat are you a man like what's going on here but uh this is when the relationship really starts to <laughs> tumble into the negative steve he says in the last three hours, we took out your eyeballs, your fingernails, your eyelids, and your hair. Now, what else off your body can I get at the mall? I mean, how she like didn't just hulk out and just leave. Like at what point I would have been trying to kick the door open at a certain point, because this is a nightmare at this point. And uh, she even ate all his breath mints. And she's like, if you mention those breath mints one more time, I'm a scream. Breath mints, breath mints. Breath mints, breath mints. Uh, uh, but you got to start thinking of survival at this point, Steve. You don't know what's going on. What if that bitch yeah. ate all the fucking breath mints and that's all you got to survive? You got to think. You got to be clear thinking at this point. You might be in there for days. The long haul, man. But and but by this time, Viv and Phil they make it back home and they hear Kathleen screams from the basement. Um, Can we? Sorry, up, they, I got to stop. I sidetracked us and I forgot about a very important part for me in this, where we see Uncle Phil and Aunt Viv in the office making the most of a bad situation, Steve, that, you know, Jeffrey, they're stuck in traffic. Will and Kathleen are stuck in a basement. Uh, Aunt Viv and Uncle Phil are stuck in a beautiful palatial uh, lawyer office in L.A. uh, and popping bottles. And Uncle Phil's like throwing out full player status vibes, and him and Aunt Viv are about to fuck in that office, Steve. Yeah, freaky dicky. I mean, Uncle Phil just goes full romantic, you know, Don Juan de la fucking soul and just gets that puss. And to, I mean, Pull you gotta do Don, something. You can't just leave, you know? So I respected it. We just didn't cover it. So salute to Uncle Phil for obviously this motherfucker had some straight top-notch game it was amazing we're gonna gonna make this office shake even more motherfucker (laughs) we're having more there's somebody in like the office below them like oh my god i think there's another aftershock man (laughs) making him fill laying some pipe like ving rames and baby boy dude just straight frog style dude (laughs) yeah man 
But like ultimately, Kathleen and Will, they decide to take things slow. Although yeah. we never see Kathleen again, uh, because the, by the following year, she'll be moved to Detroit and she'll fall in love with a guy named Martin. Mm -mm -mm. But I mean, smart choice, because, you know, but then again, they missed a genuine opportunity to just get it on in that room. Like, you know, but Uncle Phil hadn't obviously given Will that knowledge yet. He hasn't imparted that level of game to Will. So I don't know. Missed opportunity for Will. But maybe it was a good thing because, you know, Kathleen did look like she had some craziness to her. You might get oh, a yeah. hit. You know, you might get a you might get in a little verbal altercation and get hit by Kathleen. Yeah, At least the slap. And but, you know, just before we go, go Steve, again, yeah. we've talked about Fresh Prince a couple of times, and I mentioned um, Jeffrey and me questioning whether or not he was gay. And I say to you again that this is exhibit Z in my case against Jeffrey because not only is he super excited to meet Beefcake Arnold Schwarzenegger, which we all would be. I'm not. That's not gay. But the no. fact you're gonna bust out into a show tune. I mean, he he just busted out. He just freestyled a show tune, and to me that says fabulousness. That says RuPaul Drag Raceness. And I, I question again that, and again, I'm not, there's no shade, but it's, it was never acknowledged. And I'm just saying, maybe there's something there, Steve, where there's smoke Look, dude, fire, okay? Look, man, it's Arnold Schwarzenegger. If, if, if I knew that I had a chance to meet Jim Carrey, I'd start bringing, it's showtime. Oh yeah, dumb and dumber in the mask and ace and turn. Hey, Dan, I, I see, that's what I was saying I, though. I don't see yeah. that. To me, I think you would be like, dude, I get to meet fucking Jim Carrey, something of that nature. You would be like, let me tell you something. I get to meet the mask. Like, I don't, I feel a little questioning my sexuality now that I was able to bust that out. So dude, I don't know. We're, we're talking about icons. Shit, if I met Will Smith, I'd be, hey, get jiggy with it. Yeah. <laughs> One of the fucking coolest in Hollywood forever, yeah. Shit, you're talking uh, about like, yeah, this is a big deal. And this was 1991. The Terminator was smoking hot. You're right. Uh, you know what, Steve? You can, be, I, at least in this, and in, in, no. in what I just no. brought up, it's, I fully It's going to be revisited. You're, you're convinced that the man likes men. So, hey. Well, and, Steve, can I, <laughs> all I'm saying is, when in the 90s, somebody had a butler, let's say a, a Jeffrey or even a Mr. Belvedere. Let's just say that they were never these bro. They were never a man's man. It was always seeming, you know, they had a show tune in their back pocket. They were wearing like a kerchief of some kind. Like all I'm saying is just something there. And I would like to keep revisiting it and maybe we'll get some answers someday. You know, I don't know. Do you think you probably think all Englishmen are gay? Like, because okay, Mr. Belvedere, he was from England. The same thing with Jeffrey. And wasn't the the guy from the nanny, didn't they have an English butler? I feel like the guy like her the, she was the nanny to an Englishman. He oh, the, That's the fucking watered down Pierce Brosnan looking motherfucker. Mm-hmm. I'm I mean, hey, Steve. 
do I think all English people sound gay? Not really. No, but I'm saying in this, like, does Jason Statham sound gay? No. You know, even Grant, no. not really. He just sounds like a pussy. But Jeffrey, Mr. Belvedere, <laughs> there was just like, there was just something about it. There was just like an extra fabulousness to their aura that just led me to say, maybe they're going to a different kind of nightclub than I'd go to. You know what I'm saying? Maybe there's something there. I'm not, there's nothing wrong with it. Again, I'm not trying to get us in any trouble. I'm just saying, Jeff, let us know. I will say it used to creep me out the way you would say Wesley. I mean, there was something, especially with Mr. Belvedere, there's some extra story there that we need to figure out. Something was going on there, but yeah, yeah Wesley. That was creepy, Steve. That just creeped me out with you with that interpretation of it. So yeah, he had too easy of an access to Wesley's room. He spent, <laughs> I think, he spent more time with a Wesley than anybody else in the fucking family. Like, oh. I mean, you think Bob Euchre wants to hang out with Mr. Belvedere? Bob Euchre was out there like smoking stogies with the buds, having a beer. You know, maybe hanging out a- with Tommy Lasorda and fucking, yeah. you know, Mike Schmidt. And, I don't know. Maybe even Daryl Strawberry at one point. Maybe. Maybe Possibly. they did a couple of lines. You know, he came to Cleveland. He definitely he hung out. He, did. he definitely did, didn't he? Just a bit outside. Yeah, that was him. <laughs> Daryl. Daryl. Oh, you talking about Daryl? No, he never came to Cleveland, but Bob Euchre. I no, thought that Bob, was a no, major. No, wasn't he in Major League? As the, he, he was Major the League, yeah. That. Yeah. Today, they're fighting crime in a future time. Right after the Turtles, there's Cyber Cops. Today on CBS Kid TV. On that same day, on September 9th, 1991, the Maury Povich Show debuts. And uh, yeah, man, he's come a long way uh, from... Was it Inside Edition he used to be on? And then he did, does this. And uh, it, now it's known as the Paternity Show. Um, yeah, I mean, they should just change it to that. Call it Maury's Paternity Show, because that's all it is. But I got to tell, you know, I've always wondered this. <clears throat> because it, it happens. I don't even know. Do you call Maury Povich a journalist, Steve? Not anymore. That's how we started off. But he but was at one he point. Was, yeah. Okay. You know, so, his wife is Connie Chung and she's a journalist. So when do you buy? Because every journalist inevitably now, or at least in the past like 20 years, does this where they go from being a journalist to somebody that does like this shit. Like he did this, um, <clears throat> like Ricky Lake and people like that that did shows that were like started off as like news and like they would interview and have hot topics. But it was kind of journal. Even Oprah did this. But then they started doing like weird shit. And like, it's, when do you decide to do that? When you're just like, I just want to make some money. So I'm just going to be like that guy who does uh, Dateline, the the child molester shit. What, I forget that guy's Chris Hansen. Chris Hansen. You know? Well, I don't know if it's their decision um, as much as it is the producers and the, the television suits. Um, because, you know, we need ratings, baby. Now, another example was Jerry Springer, and there's a a show by Vice called Dark Side of the 90s where they talk about this and how Jerry Springer initially started. 
And, you know, he was doing those hot topics, you know, he would have like, you know, serious issues. And then slowly it would devolve into what we know Jerry Springer for now, man. And uh, the same thing with Maury Povich, because we know that like trash TV, you know, I feel like the 90s was the birth of that. Um, and they, and they kept they, they going, just, dude, like he's fucking that one bitch got that guy killed, you know, and they Jenny Jones. Her, yeah, Jenny Jones. Yeah. So <clears throat> that shit started happening and it was so profitable they were like fuck it uh what works jerry yeah. you got the, these crazy fucking people i mean jerry did what maury did he did all of that and then maury just like selectively i guess the paternity thing just worked better for him and for whatever reason but that was wild there was a lot of these like her ricky lake they all just turned into this uh yeah. but fucking maury dude back to him love a good maury dude, even to this day you can watch old ones, new ones. And when it got to the point where he would interview people and they like in the crowd and they started to get to shit on the, the garbage on stage, that's what I love. When like an older woman's like, you tell that piece of shit, he ought to hit the road, Jack. And then it's just like, yeah, it just, it just, it's, I just love it. I can't get enough of this. I, I love the 90s ones because they're like it, it's so stuck in that time i mean like the the references like they would say like oh you think you all that well you not well, there it is and then they cabbage patch or some shit like oh man i i miss the 90s yeah. just like some hick trash with like one tooth like i told you until kim i told you and you just can't hear shit it's just maury like craziness dude i and he's still going right yeah dude 1991 like 30 years 30 fucking years how much bro. money does maury povich have you know he's gotta be rich as fuck let's look that you, up bro. Steve. let's give credit where credit's due here i'm just gonna look this up how much money does maury povich have I, you know, I don't, I don't have it, Steve. I don't want to take up too much time here looking this up. Um, $14 million is it. Well, I would have thought he'd be way more, you know, just like the longevity. I, I would just think he had so much more money, but hey, fuck it, 14 million is a lot. For doing this show for 30 years, man, um, like I- <clears throat> That's a day job, Steve. I bet, you. I wonder if he enjoys it. Cause I mean, no matter what, if you can just be a, like objectionably, like I'm just gonna have to read these lines, but I get to see a show. I get to see some shit every day. I, that's gotta be a fun job. Yeah, if you got the heart for it, I could see it also being a traumatic job. I bet he just fucking gets ripped. He just rips heaters before the show and is just going in there like, this is the best, craziest shit I've ever seen every day. I love that. And thank you for, you know, making black people look bad for 30 years, Maury. And uh, yeah. you know, probably I mean, didn't see Maury Povich. I don't know, Steve. I'm scared. Are they dead? uh no thank god he's not uh mike tyson probably didn't watch this because he was being indicted for rape of desiree washington in 1991 on september 9th mm. um 
Yeah. Now, Mike Tyson, we've talked about him being released uh, and having his first match out of jail with Peter McNeely on Comcast Cable Sports Cable Visions. We talked about him numerous times on the show, and this ain't going to be the last. But this time, we're talking about him being indicted. Uh, he was arrested, actually, in July 1991 for the rape of 18-year-old Desiree Washington, Miss Black Rhode Island, in an Indianapolis hotel room. Tyson's rape trial took place in Marion County Superior Court from January 26 to February 10th of 91. Um, you know, and the lady that you see googly eyed and just staring at him a hard heart is Desiree Washington. And okay. still to this day, I, I've seen his monologue and he still claims his innocence. And I believe the man, not just because I'm a fan, but, uh, you know, he said that it was consensual. And uh, I mean, you see like the. This should be used as proof. Like, look at how she's just gaga gooey. All the other women are like looking off camera um, and just, you know, tending to themselves. Her eyes are directed solely on Mike. Like, yeah, oh my I mean, God, you can't. Really I, I would say thinking that before you even said anything, I was like, damn, that one chick is just look, fucking staring daggers at his ass. It's, That's hilarious. Dude. Well, I don't fuck, dude. I don't know. I don't. I didn't remember the specifics of this, but I've heard that monologue, and it's hard not to believe what he's talking about when he lays it all out there and talks about just like his life at that time and how many people were trying to like do like manipulate him and get do stuff to get money out of him. I don't yeah. know, man. It's wild. I hate to say somebody's a liar for something like that, but I've heard the other side of the story, and it's it's pretty. Uh, I believe it, you know, so I'm like you. Uh, me too. I, I, I hate to say that somebody in this situation is crying wolf, but it's, it's like you said, man, um, because we knew that she had or he had like a bunch of wolves just trying to come after his pockets, man, whether it was Robin Givens or Don King or who knows, man, somebody in his Especially crew. him, dude, because he was so young at the height of that career. Yeah. I mean, it's not, I don't know if you call it the hype, but like when, when he was at his most powerful, he was like 19, like you said, wasn't he? Uh, no, ish well, well, he won. He won the title at 18. Yeah, exactly. He was a young kid. Right. So it's like, just like these NFL stars who go broke because people are all trying to get in their pockets. It must be wild to see that happen, you know? And he just wasn't somebody who came out with any education. So he had that handicap too, where he didn't really have any education on how to deal with that or any yeah. education period it was just a bunch of people trying to prey on his ass because he was i mean i can't even imagine how much money he was getting going from zero to whatever he made after he won those championships and was iron mike tyson jesus he had pet tigers matt like how much money like do you need to have pet tigers roaming around in your crib and that's in like the night that's in the 90s too i mean fuck money and how inflation and shit that was he was in a mansion with tigers and lions running around the front yard shout out to charlie murphy for telling the greatest version of that story and funniest version of that of all time it's so great Dude. I wish Chappelle would have continued so we would have got to a true like Hollywood story about Mike Tyson. Like that would have been comedic gold. That might have been better. Dude, he told it on Joe Rogan, at early yeah. Joe Rogan. And it was, I mean, what you wanted, dude. It was so fucking funny. That guy, rest in peace to Charlie Murphy, another legend of the 90s and 2000s. Uh, but it, it was just hilarious to hear. And obviously, dude, it's just crazy to think like, being 19 and being that rich, I'd be dead. 
you know it's like a credit to him that he's not like i think of how dumb i was when we were like in college jesus you gave me a shit ton of money i'd be dead and people are calling you the baddest man in the planet dude i remember the toughest guy in perrysburg like that motherfucker had like a ego uh like if, if he thought he could beat everybody's ass and he knew he could beat everybody's ass in the high school it's like shit, what are you going to tell him yeah, so exactly. like a guy who who everyone thinks is the like toughest guy in the world in the world like what the fuck? and i'm young shit. plus also it's like as far as like you know women trying to like get into his life and stuff this is a young dude who when you're 19 all you want to do is fuck and he has he can talk to anybody you know so that's the other thing it's like i can't put myself in a place like that to just understand like you got to worry about everybody when you have that's happening to you how much like you have to like question everybody's intentions that you meet it's like i don't meet anybody i'm like oh they're just trying to get money out of me like it's never crossed my mind and if they are i mean what a dumb person do your research because i don't got any <laughs> you ain't gonna get a lot but yeah, in PlayStation 4, that's about it. No, no, don't give away the PlayStation, Matt. <laughs> Fuck that. I will fly to Los Angeles and choke a motherfucker. They try to take your Sony. I know how valuable the Sony is in the household. Shit. It's more than a system, Steve. It's my cable, too. I need it. I need it. <laughs> don't yeah. take it, please. But on September 9th, 1992, the ninth MTV Video Music Awards are held. And... It's it's hosted by Dana Carvey. I don't remember anything about this is the fart man one, right? This is the fart man. This is it, Steve. This I mean, how crazy. Howard Stern is just a be he's just a beast, dude. <laughs> we don't talk about him enough, man, uh, on this show. But uh, in this, man, he actually presented, and what makes it even funnier, he was the presenter with Luke Perry, of all people, uh, to present the best metal hard rock video. Um, <laughs> and I mean, Luke Perry is Luke Perry. He's cool, he's got the sideburns, he's got the Johnny Bravo shit. And he's like, he's standing next to Howard Stern, fucking like this. <laughs> and his ass is out, his ass is fully out and cut out. His real ass. Yeah, and it's nasty. It's looking like a bag of fucking like water, basically. It's just nasty old man ass. This was a uh, character, I guess, he had on the radio. I don't remember this specifically, but he just, to me, was one of those people that just like to fuck with all these like conventional things. And no matter when he was given the opportunity to, he would do some crazy shit like this. I love this. To rock the boat, man. Um, you know, I think he had an opportunity to host uh, SNL. But Lauren Michaels wasn't going to trust that shit because it's Howard Stern. Yeah, like right. he's had experiences with like shady guest hosts before. It's like, man, nah, that's I'm not even going to touch that one. There's no you know, telling he what he's going to do. Some insane shit in the monologue, at least. Oh, oh my god. Um, but the show, uh, I don't know if you were aware of this, but the show was notable for a feud between Axl Rose and members of Nirvana, as well as Courtney Love. It began backstage before the award show when Love jokingly referred to make Rose the godfather of Francis Bean, their daughter. And Rose threatened Cobain, telling him to quiet his wife. And barbs were exchanged between Love and Rose's then-girlfriend, Stephanie Seymour. Uh, bassist Chris Novoselic and Duff McKagan almost came to blows over the incident just before Nirvana were to take the stage. And the spat went 
went public on stage immediately after Nirvana's performance of Lithium as drummer Dave Grohl taunted Rose. Uh, man, shout out to Dave Grohl, fellow Ohioan. Uh, and Cobain then raised the dispute in the post-show interviews at the BMAs. I remember they did. I do remember hearing about this on MTV and stuff. I mean, rock, rock beef. There wasn't a Straight lot of up. that. Yeah, that was like a new thing that got introduced in the '90s. There was a, there was some of that. Limp Bizkit did that a little bit. Some rock beef. Uh, shout out to somehow, fucking. Shout out to fucking Axl Rose looking like Sergeant Pepper. Axl Rose though, that was a great. Let me album. Go back to that. <laughs> Everybody needs some time. <laughs> in this jacket i mean that he looks like uh you know those monkeys that guys have on the street that play drums and he has like yeah. one of those circus monkey outfits but dude get this man the video of the year was van halen right now and this isn't even cool uh david lee Roth. this is uh sammy hagar the horrible uh, what year was this 92 and okay it, they they, they won over Def Leppard, Let's Get Rocked, Nirvana, Smells Like Teen Spirit, and Red Hot Chili Peppers, Under the Bridge. Man. This is when people are still trying to hold on to those bands, like um, Van Halen and stuff. I mean, Van Halen, I love a good Van Halen song, but there was that time where they were like, do this. I mean, right now is an okay song, but it's like, look what it was stacked up against. Nirvana, it beat Nirvana. What was the video? Sammy Hagar fucking just looking douchey, like and on a beach someplace, probably. Probably. Till tomorrow, right now. It's such a it's such a fucking Ford commercial song. Yeah, it's, I was always gonna say it's a car commercial song. You know, <laughs> it's uh, not a great song. Uh, best best male video went to Eric Clapton for Tears in Heaven. Best female video, Annie Lennox for Why. Best group video, U2, uh, even better than the real thing. Best new artist in a video, Nirvana, Smells Like Teen Spirit. So they did win for that. Uh, best metal rock, hard rock video, Metallica, Enter the Sandman. <laughs> uh, best rap video was Arrested Development for Tennessee. Tennessee. Uh, best dance video was Prince and New Power Generation for Cream. Best alternative video, Nirvana. Smells like Teen Spirit. Best video for a film, Queen, Bohemian Rhapsody from Wayne's World. Uh, breakthrough video, Red Hot Chili Peppers would give it away. Uh, best direction, Van Halen for right now. Best choreography, In Vogue, My Love, and No, You're Never Gonna Get It. Not this time. Um, but it, it had a lot of stars, man. Um, November it's Rain. Crazy to best. hear all those. Those are legend, all legendary bands and names. In nine, early 90s, damn. <clears throat> Eddie we Murphy was there. Uh, Dana Carvey, obviously. Uh, Shannon Doherty, David Spade, Andrew Dice Clay, the Dice Man. Uh, Ringo Starr was there. Uh, Ice T, he presented with Metallica uh, for best rap video. Dennis Leary, Holly Berry, John Claude Van Damme, Marky Mark, Vanessa Williams, Roger Taylor, Brian May, Luke Perry, Howard Stern, uh, uh, Cindy Crawford, Chris Cross, Magic Johnson, uh, Boys to Men, Wilson Phillips, and Mick Jagger. So yeah, man, star-studded event. This is like the end of the Avengers when all those portals open up. This is like the 90s version of that. Everybody was there. Thank God nothing bad happened here because we would have lost everybody. Every 90s celeb, Macaulay Culkin would have been dead. Everybody's gone, Steve. You know Macaulay was there. You know who probably didn't watch this uh, ninth MTV Video Music Award, Matt? Who, Steve? Probably Robin Young. 
because he was busy reaching 3,000 hits. He was the 17th person to do that in major leagues uh, and also the third youngest. Uh, he's a Hall of Famer uh, for the Milwaukee Brewers. And yeah, man, uh, he, his birthday is actually a day before mine, September 16th. But um, yeah, he wasn't born before me, but uh, he was born in 1955. <laughs> How old are you, Steve? Goddamn. I'd have way more grays and probably actually no hair, but Shout out to Robin Young. No more tears. Mommy's here. Newborn baby alive. Cries when she needs you. Newborn baby alive. Drink your juice. It's good for you. Baby tears fall from her eyes. Her diapers went. No wonder you cried. Now you spell baby soft too. Newborn baby alive. Cries when she needs you. Mommy's Newborn Baby Alive drinks, sweats, and cries real tears, each sold separately. New from Kenner. Happened in the fucking 90s. Happened in the fucking 90s. Happened in the fucking 90s. Happened in the 90s, motherfucker. In 1993, the Mighty Morphin Power Rangers are airing the episode Oppressing Engagement. Um, at the juice bar, Jason is trying to break Bulk's bench, bench pressing record, but is unable to. Doubting his ability, Kimberly and Zach try to comfort him, but have mixed success. Rita decides to isolate Jason from the others by sending King Sphinx to Earth. With his mighty wings, the monster blows Kimberly and Zach away, leaving Jason alone. After teleporting himself and Jason to a desert, Sphinx is joined by Goldar. After regrouping with Billy and Trini, the teens arrive at the command center and witness firsthand Jason's struggle with the grown Goldar and Sphinx. Again, Steve, we've been waiting to talk about Power Rangers. Uh, this is one of the shows I remember. I felt, because I watched both of these shows this morning, um, and it was very much Saturday morning cartoon feels. I loved it. So, yeah. This one, you know, you explained the episode and like you said, we open up in Ernie's juice bar and uh, Jason's trying to do this bench press record. I'd like to say one thing in terms of this bench press record. Jason's putting up this weight a thousand times already when we show him initially. A thousand times, Steve. I mean, I'm wondering what supplementation Jason's on because the fact that Bulk could do this already, I'm like, I get it. He's big, but I don't know a thousand times for anyone that doesn't know. I don't think this is possible. Dude, bulk isn't lifting shit a thousand times. <laughs> he couldn't even lift that cake at the end a thousand times. Like he Look would at what kind of draws he's wearing. You think that man can bench press <laughs> I mean, anything? How the fuck did you get that picture, Steve? Uh, Google. <laughs> yeah. So. <clears throat> Jason's trying to beat this record that somehow bulk, maybe he did some meth or something and put it up a thousand times, but Jason's trying to beat it. Ernie, the juice bar owner, who I have questions about, he's always hanging out with these kids. He's creepy. He's eating a fucking cold cut sub like right next to Jason while he's doing this competition, which dude, get what the fuck? Um, fucking picnic table spread as a fucking bib. Fucking Dennis Nedry, the goddamn fucking guy from Jurassic Park, eating a sandwich while you're trying to lift weights. I mean, it's distracting. Jason's getting hit by spittle and fucking bologna slices in the face. 
And, and meanwhile, uh, Kimberly's blowing bubbles, and I'm not talking about Michael Jackson's monkey. And she's <laughs> blowing, she's bubble gum, people. And they're fucking up Jason's vibe. He's trying to put yeah. this weight up, but by the time you get to like a thousand reps, I mean, his arms are burning. He can't concentrate it. Uh, he loses his concentration multiple times. So he does this like three times and he can't beat Bulk's record. So Jason's in his fields, man. He's looking over at Bulk and it's like, look at me and look at that fat piece of shit and Ernie. I, like I should be able to do this, but I just can't, I can't get it together, guys. Something's off. Um, and he doesn't want to be a quitter. No, I mean, you got to be, at this point, you got to be Bulk. Because that motherfucker will not let it slide that you're not beating his record. He's at this juice bar. I don't get this. I don't get this 90s trope of kids hanging out at juice bars. I don't understand it. I wouldn't do it. Would you be hanging out at Ernie's, Steve? Fuck no. I'd rather go to Frisch's Big Boy, which is where we went. And (laughs) they they had good burgers. And they let you smoke cigarettes in the 90s at Frisch's Big Boy. And, uh, you know, you could get, you know, secondhand smoke and get a nice milkshake. (laughs) Dude, I love a good hang at a Denny's or a Frisch's Big Boy, and you're just ripping butts with your friends. You're like 17, shouldn't even be able to have cigarettes. But that first time when you're ripping butts freely in a restaurant like an adult, like a man, Steve. We're grown now. Yeah. yeah, Like, dude. (laughs) Shout out to smoking cigarettes when you're 17, Steve. I, I, you know, it was a good time. Say what you will, but I enjoyed it. I'm not smoking anymore, so. You were you were a P-Funk magnet, you were. <laughs> don't don't tarnish the brand, Steve. Parliament Lights, just a delicious treat, Steve. The, just yes, del- I was hoping you would fucking say that. <laughs> just a Matt delicious Motto. fucking treat, Delicious treat. Yes. <laughs> but, <clears throat> you know, these kids, they're goody two-shoes. They're hanging out in this fucking juice bar. Zach or uh, Jason's in his fields. Trini and uh, Billy, I, they're they're fucking. I, who knows where the fuck they're at? Um, but then the little uh, they, their little Apple watches go off, and even fat ass Ernie's, yeah, Ernie's like, hey, what the fuck? And they all hide their their uh, their arms. Which Ernie had. If you're if you don't know these kids are the the Power Rangers at this point, Ernie, I don't know what to tell you. I think he does. Because he's like, what are those things? Because, you know, there weren't Apple Watches back in the day. I mean, these are just walkie-talkie watches, basically. It's not that great a technology, but um, they got to transport to see fucking Zordon. They got to, something's going on here, so. Yeah, they um, got to knock out some bitch-ass monsters. Uh, <laughs> but, you know, we, we find out it's a, those weak-ass putty patrollers, uh, you know, and then pops King Sphinx. And, you know, King Sphinx instantly reminds me of the character from Martin. Uh, There was a TV show that Cole Brown would watch called King Beef. And he would do the same thing. And he would be like, go. The girls would be like, go, King Beef. Go, King Beef. I just want to dance. Go, King Beef. Go, King Beef. So there's King Beef and then there's King Sphinx. So, you know, where was the inspiration? What stemmed from what? I think somebody ripped that off, Steve. I think you might have pointed out some plagiarism there on somebody's part. I don't know what came first, but they both aired um, on Fox. But yeah, so King Sphinx is uh, created by Rita Repulsa, the queen of the moon and evil at this point. And one thing I wanted to point out that <clears throat> I forgot about. I think I remember the Lord Zed times of Mighty Morphin Power Rangers. If you know what I'm talking about, he was like 
above Rita Repulsa. He was like a big walking muscle with like armor on. I do. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But at this point, he's not there. It's just Rita and these three doofy characters. It's like a space monkey thing that it's like the thing from Wizard of Oz, the monkeys that uh, the Wicked Witch has. It's like that, but blue. The winged monkeys, yeah. And they're all like, ooh, Rita! It's all yeah. like, what's going on up there? Are you guys fucking? Like, what is happening up there? But uh, Rita's got her little clay-making machine where she makes putties. She creates the Sphinx. She sends them down because she smells weakness, Steve. Jason's, something's going on here. They gotta, they gotta get him separated and hit while the iron's hot because he's the guy. You could fuck up all the other power. Maybe Zach would put up a fight and like dance kick you and shit. But Jason's the muscle. He's the one that's going to win the fight. And they have the opportunity to separate him with um, this statue that came to life from Las Vegas. Uh, Fucking Sphinx. (laughs) Which his power is to flap his wings. (laughs) Go King Sphinx. Go King Sphinx. And then King Sphinx. He, he knocks Kimberly back to her fucking balance beam and he sends Zach's black ass back to break dancing on the balance beam too. And <clears throat> nobody fucking, notices. Like, nobody notices, yeah. Steve. These people are just transported and they just show up out of thin air on a balance beam and, and nobody's like, not even Ernie. His fat ass is still eating a hoagie. Like, Jesus. Oh, that's good. Wow. This fucking sandwich is good. But yeah, so now Jason's on his own and he's he's actually handling himself. Like I said, this motherfucker's got this badass sword. He starts fucking up Sphinx, but then fucking Rita sends in Goldar, who to me, of all the monsters they have, I thought Goldar actually looked cool. Yeah. Uh, he does have this weird cod piece thing that I don't agree with. It's just a weird <laughs> character design, but uh, he comes in and they start double, che- double teaming Jason and it's a handicap match now. Yeah, and two against one. It's it's not looking good, Steve. All this late with I mean, Jason's clearly a little bit um weak from lifting all those weights. I mean, he's put up at least four thousand reps uh on the bench. So I don't know if he gets regenerated with the morphing, uh, but he's having some tough times. He's getting his ass beat and he's separated from the squad. And I, I don't know what's... Ha- I think they can't get to him. I don't remember why they can't just instantly be teleported back. But for some reason, they can. Yeah, and uh, we all know you ain't shit without your homeboys. So, like, now that Kimberly and Zach are teleported back, they, they link up with Billy and Trini to let them know that Jason's in trouble. And then they teleport to the command center for further instruction for Zordon, who I'm just now realizing looks like a bald Mr. Belding. And he gives them these power crystals that look like fucking uh, freeze pops and so that they can hop in and help the homie. And now Jason, he receives the power crystal so that he can bring his friends into the action. And now it's time for some dinosaur fucking power. But here's my thing, Steve. Why are you withholding these things? You have the Power Rangers, you're Zordon. Why do you have to, did the freeze pops have to freeze before you gave them to them? Because why is it suddenly now you're showing them these crystals they need, you know? Ice cream truck just now coming around, Zordon? I didn't have the plug, I didn't have the fridge plugged in, Rangers. I'm sorry, here are your freeze pops. But they get that and now they can magically teleport. And one sidetrack Sally thing that I have to point out just because it was so fucking hilarious. 
Zach and Kimberly go to this weird lab that Trini and Billy, I think it's a lab. I don't know what it is. It's a, it's a room with a bunch of lights and computer screens. And they tell uh, Trini and Billy what's going on because they have no idea. They're like, Jason's in trouble. And Billy's, this is how shitty the acting is. He's just like, Rita has him. Oh no, oh no. Oh no. It was literally, it was porn level acting. It was so fucking funny, Steve. I just, I put the blunt down and had to write a note about it. It was so ridiculous. We must oh. help him. He's in trouble. I'm so broken up about it. I mean, <laughs> I'm about to tear up. Oh my God. <laughs> you know, I mean, you really describe Power Rangers in general, like at least this first season, like the acting is like those videos you watch in orientation, your first day at work. It's like, it's like, oh, how not to sexually harass someone. Um, hey, Sally. That dress is a little too long, if you know what I'm saying. Ha ha, ha ha, ha ha. <laughs> I don't feel comfortable now at work. But See, Steve has now committed an offense and has committed sexual harassment. What are the things Steve could have done to avoid this? <laughs> I hate those fucking videos. As somebody yeah. who's had to work temp jobs, you have to watch those a lot. Yeah. You have to watch them for like every new place. So it's always like the first day is like great because you get paid to do nothing. But it's also sucks because it's like I have to watch like this two hour video about here's why you don't touch a chick's ass at work. It's like, OK, guy, I'm not a monster. We don't need this anymore. <laughs> you know? All the girls I work with are ugly. Can we yeah. just fast forward this part? You don't have I don't to worry think about Dolores that. is going to get groped anytime soon. I don't think the 60 year old secretary is about to get fucking slapped yeah. on the booty. But anyway, she, she smells like heat flashes. My dick will never get hard. I promise you. <laughs> I, uh... But but the place you were mentioning, that's that's the morphing grid, they call it. Oh, okay. Well, see, again, there's all these weird components to being a Power Ranger you don't know about. And I, my only other thing that me and my wife were talking about is, you know, there's Zordon. And Zordon, when you see, I've seen it maybe in a movie, there was the movie. He's just yeah. a body inside that tube, but that then the head like is a, like put on, it's like a giant head, but there's a body in there, right? Uh, you know better than me. I, I, think I never so. watched the movie. I think if you watch the movie, there's a body in there of like he looks like Darth Vader in Return of the Jedi when they take the helmet off. But mm. you know, they put that tube on and it keeps him alive. I think he was fucking Rita Repulsa. And she got they something happened, and that's where this whole rift came from, Steve. This is my story that I've created. Man, you know, I used to want to fuck Rita Repulsa, but She's maybe hot. because kind of hot, Steve. I gotta she, say, yeah. I'm gonna agree with you 100. Like I've argued with you about Sensational Sherry, and I'm not even gonna get into that with you. But I'll say, I pull up those furs or whatever that fucked up dress is. She, I just grab those horns, dude. And, yeah. and she'd make those. <laughs> she'd up. make those sounds. <laughs> 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 that would be some fucking that's the craziest sex you've ever had steve uh you know i i wish that for both of us it's um how do we figure this out how do, is rita repulsa alive is no, there a reader <laughs> oh no ernie i feel like ernie's not either steve so he choked on a cold cut soon there soon after the taping of this video so 
they but they they activated the mega power sword and they knocked king sphinx dick in the dust and but goldar he punks out and i know you're a fan of goldar but he he does one of those uh, uh, until we meet again power rangers and he's like mm. okay yeah I, I lost my my partner so like boom i'm gone I have a couple questions I'm gonna raise about this now too, because they get these Zords, right? Finally, they all yep. get in, they get the Zords, like you said, and they're separate Zords like Voltron, and then they combine, yep. and there's like this tank function where it's like a rolling tank with a bunch of guns, and that never works. And then they turn into a giant like humanoid robot that we all know and love, and they can yep. fight, but that never works. So they have to get this God sword, like this Thor sword from heaven. <laughs> like, I don't understand where that's coming from. It's coming yeah. from somewhere. They have to get that. They have to Thor power it up with some lightning and like Akira the villains and kill them. So they, they why don't they just do that first is my first question to you. Why not just avoid all the hullabaloo, all the Voltron shit, just come showing up with the glowing sword and slice these guys up. You know, I don't get that. Maybe it's just for good TV, Steve. Let's say for that. good TV. You know, they got they got to fill out those twenty eight minutes or whatever. But my other question on the functionality: once it's the robot, like the man robot, you see inside the head or wherever all the Rangers are at, and they all have a joystick. How is the? How are they controlling? The, what are the form? What is the functionality of the joysticks? Are they all controlling like the head and an arm? And a leg, because if that's the case, they're not moving enough. There's not enough like movement inside of them, like when they're you see them. So I'm wondering, what are those joysticks for? Is that it's a drink dispenser? Like, are they just in there for the ride? You know, I don't. I'm questioning that. Yeah, man, they're watching Netflix, <laughs> and because I mean, but this is the first season. Maybe like they haven't figured out the functionality of of their purpose like hey no man you're supposed to control the butt you're supposed to control the, the this left arm you control the leg i yeah. love 90s like even like you look at star old star wars movies when they show technology it's just like panels with like blinking lights where it makes no sense as to what it is maybe a knob's there but <laughs> I love that because we, you and I could make that if we had eight hours and some cardboard and some like LED lights, we could probably make a serviceable, uh, like inside of a Zord setup, you know, because that had to cost them like $20, whatever the lights call it's very low budge, you know, very, uh, yeah, true value, but, uh, <laughs> true value, fucking ace is the place, dude. Um, Get in the zone, AutoZone. <laughs> but uh, they they save the day and they get back to the juice bar and Jason finally breaks the bench press record. Uh, Ernie rewards Jason with a cake that says happy birthday, mom. This guy's got a cake. Where did you get the cake, Ernie? Why do you just have all this food that no, why? No, you're the only fat person at this juice bar, motherfucker. Why do you own it? Yeah, Ernie, yeah. Ernie, Ernie always has to plug on some fucking cake. <laughs> he's got, he's eating a Subway sub while they're hanging out. He's, he's got a fucking like $300 uh, sheet cake for Jason beating a, a weight bench, a weightlifting record. That's yeah. not what you serve hey. somebody that just lifted a bunch of weights, Steve. At short notice, man. I mean, that's that's how he he gives people who break the record. Give them a man. juice, motherfucker. Like, what do you where yeah. you got this cake for? But anyway, everyone, what do you? Here's my other question. 
How much do you think Jason's putting up a thousand whatever times? How much when you see that bar? How much weight do you think's on that? Because it's very much like that living room weight set <laughs> with like the plastic weights on it. These aren't those big forty-five plates. These are like twenty. Oh, no. It's like six twenty-fives on each side, basically. Jason, you wouldn't lift in steel for real. Now, Tommy, on the other hand, I bet that motherfucker mm. would, would lift a ton. Cause Jason Frank could kick ass in real life. Hell yeah, dude. I mean, Jason, the Red Ranger, what is a firefighter, Steve? So I'm saying probably a strong guy, but I just, I challenge anyone, take a, even the bar, take the a straight Olympic bar that's on a, a bench and try to lift yeah. that a thousand times. You're not going to get to 200. You're not going to, yeah. I mean, you're not going to make it. That's what I was saying. A thousand, like, Steve? Do you think you could do anything at that, like an exercise a thousand times? No, dude. I, I couldn't do the bar a hundred times, I don't think, man. And I'm I don't think I'm like a weakling, but dude. I work out pretty regularly. I don't lift heavy weights, so like I'm not trying to break break any records, but the bar, maybe 50 times. In one sh shot, maybe 50. Yeah. I've never and, been a strong dude, but I don't know. Maybe we should do that, Steve. We're going to do that. We're going to do some sort of bench challenge. We're going to we're going to challenge this record. How about yeah. it? <laughs> Maybe <And> from Patreon. <laughs> I'll, I'll phone it in. But uh, Bulk, he's not feeling this. His record just got beaten, and he declares that he'll get his record back. Uh, but it's the only thing he has going on in his life. He slips on one of the weights and dives headfirst into the cake. And the gang all laughs at much to Bulk and Skull's chagrin. Now, a fun fact about this episode, in the close-up uh, of Zack's power crystal, Walter Jones, the actor, uh, hit the lack of middle, middle left finger is noticeable. Oh, wow. Yeah. Really? Yeah, I didn't know that. Uh, but Who was that wrestler that was missing September a foot, Steve? Who was that guy? Uh, Kerry Von Erich, the Texas Tornado. To this day, I it still blows my mind. You, you always blow my mind on every episode in some way. Pause. But um, yeah. <laughs> that to, to this day, I we watch wrestling and stuff, and we've seen him in other things. And I can't for the life of me figure out how I never knew that. You never notice too, it. Man. It's crazy. Yeah. Like, how the fuck did you win an intercontinental belt on one leg? On one so fucking wild, dude. Hey, shout out. Uh, do more with one foot than I'll ever do with two. So there you go. But uh, on September 9th, 1994, the next Karate Kid premieres. Mr. Miyagi is back and takes a new pupil under his wing, a troubled adolescent girl uh, who would eventually be the superstar, Miss Hilary Swank, uh, million dollar baby. Uh, she she has a, a thing with being coached by men and like kicking ass. Now, I wonder if she could really fight Hilary Swank. It was brought up on something else. I feel like compared to somebody normal, probably they have to train somewhat to be in a movie. So they do boxing training. I've never done a boxing training. They could probably whoop my ass. I'm not tough though, so I don't know. I bet here. I bet Hillary Swank would whoop our ass, Steve. Maybe not. Mm, I, I'd like to see her try. <laughs> but um, and shout out to Pat Morita. R.I.P. Man, I've never seen this movie, but I like Pat Morita. 
I never um, saw but this. And I, I just want to, I hate to say miso- or sound misogynistic, but in the 90s and the time when I was young, I just, this didn't interest me. Yeah, it's hard to sell. Yeah. Um, but on September 9, 1995, uh, Freakazoid debuts, and it's produced by Steven Spielberg, which I did not know. Um, I never watched Freakazoid because I always thought he looked stupid. Uh, you know, yeah. like, look at the motherfucker. Like, you know. he looks... He looks fucking like I don't like the animation style, and I love Steven Spielberg, but like fuck Freakazoid, he looks weak, man. Like he's supposed to be a superhero, fucking Freakazoid. He looks like something that's on the like a cereal box. You know, I, I don't yeah. need to watch a cartoon. You know, I ain't watching Count Chocula with cartoons, so fuck all that. Basically, yeah, fuckazoid. Now, but uh, in 1995, on that same day, Pinky and the Brain uh, debuted, uh, and that same. Uh, cartoon block and I definitely fuck with some pinky in the brain uh you know the same thing we do every day pinky try to take over the world Maurice LaMarche dude straight up badass voice actor he's brain the guy who plays pinky looks like slash it's crazy I forget his name I should know it but he looks about the yeah the guy who plays brain like the voice actor he looks exactly like slash it's hilarious Interesting. But I love this show, dude. This is I, I liked Animaniacs because of the show. Really, I mean, it was a, I liked Animaniacs, but this is why I watched it. Yeah, I liked that whole camp, uh, even Tiny Toons. I feel I feel like Tiny Toons was a part of that because that was Steven Spielberg. Yeah, um, you know, very pop culture savvy. They would throw I, in little Tiny Toons yeah. was way better than this shit. But I mean, they were. I agree. They kind of even have like the same similar animation styles too. Yeah, a little bit. Um, and, and maybe it's because of the Warner Brothers tie-in, uh, the fact that they they had access to these certain characters, they can like just pull them out at, at any moment, you know. Um, but on that same day, the the show Hang Time premiered um, on television, and I remember watching this. It was on NBC, and it starred a Reggie Theus as the coach and a young Anthony Anderson. And looking back on it, how am I supposed to believe that uh, Anthony Anderson was playing for a varsity team somewhere in California? California has produced a lot of great basketball players. And, you know, state-wise, uh, it's probably one of the best as far as pro- producing basketball players. And look at Anthony Anderson, he's chubby. Uh, and, and they had a girl, they had a couple girls, I believe, on the basketball team. But yeah, it was a part of that uh, new Saved by the Bell, uh, Hang Time, and then City Guys. All right. Kendra says that we're like the City Guys, Steve. She says we should do like a promo because they're apparently their song is, their theme song was great. So possible yeah. promo idea, but I never saw Hang Time. So I didn't, I thought Anthony Anderson looking at him in that was going to be like the kid who's like the scorekeeper he doesn't right. you know he don't play but apparently this motherfucker's playing but what kind of varsity basketball team is intersex <laughs> that chick's just laying just fucking thunder down like get that shit out of my house bitch she's the best yeah. basketball player on the team yeah you yeah. want to practice or fuck congratulations to anthony anderson for really like he was he was a fat guy for so long, dude. He's not, would you call him a fat guy now? No, he's more uh, stout. I, I feel like yeah, he's, he's like kind of like a- Like blackish yeah, he's, he's Anthony Anderson. He's just like a, you know, solid dude. 
yeah. and he's got style so he always you know pull, but like remember when he he was in barbershop if i remember correctly the og one and i think yeah. he was like still at that time was like pretty heavy dude so as a former fat guy just shout out to anthony anderson for not doing like an ethan supley and getting up to like six hundo because he definitely was like the fat comedy guy in, in movies and tv for a while uh, was it Malibu's Most Wanted? That he yeah. was in a lot of those. Like he would be in those movies that were like action movie, like Seagal. That movie with Seagal and DMX, whatever that was. Cradle to the Grave. No, was no, that what that it was? One. No, you're I, right. I think it was Cradle was, to the Grave. And I think he was in Romeo Must Die too. Which shout out to that movie because that movie's good. R.I.P. Aaliyah. Uh, and also on that same day, the movie Truman premieres on HBO. It's a movie on David McCullough's Pulitzer Prize winning 1992 book Truman, starring Gary Sinise as Harry S. Truman. And the film centers on Truman's rise to the presidency from humble beginnings, World War II, and his decision to use the first atomic bomb. The film's tagline is, it took a farmer's hand to shape a nation. Um, I remember watching this in history class, Mr. Ferguson. and. Um, you know, it actually was nominated a bunch of times for different awards and it won a couple. But um, it, it's Gary Sinise in a very non-Lieutenant Dane role. I love me some Gary Sinise. Who doesn't? Him in Apollo Terrorist. 13, dude. What a badass. I mean, Lieutenant Dan, obviously. I don't remember this movie. Um, but sounds, you know, sounds like something me and my, or my mom and dad would watch for sure. Yeah. And uh, on September 9th, 1996, Blackstreet releases Another Level. It's 19 mm -hmm. tracks, 70 minutes and 22 seconds. It is no diggity, no mm -hmm. doubt. I mean, we were all listening to that shit, Steve. I like to play. No diggity. It, it also had the singles uh, Fix and Don't Leave Me. Um, now, no Diggity was the only song to knock Macarena off of its 14-week reign at the top of the charts. Um, this is the beginning of our eighth grade year, and I fucking hated the Macarena. I'm, I'm brand new to Perrysburg, and everybody's singing this shit. I'm like, get me the fuck out of the suburbs. I want to get back to Toledo. Every um, fucking birthday party you went to, every they, you just it was everywhere, dude. What was that guy's name? I thought it was a group. I, I don't know. Maybe. I think I don't know. Fuck that. Yeah, I was the same way though. That song, as a fat kid to have to dance, that was just a nightmare. So I hated this fucking that shit. But fucking a nice black street dude, a nice no diggity, little penny in the video. We were talking mm -hmm. about that earlier. They had that connection, and I just, I, I mean, I love me. I, it, how many albums did they make? Because. I don't remember how prolific they were, but I mean, just that one song, that was that was like that Montel That's, Jordan song. That's all they needed, you yeah. know? Fuck. They, they made about four, maybe four or five, but like, this is the one. Um, and they, they had another track uh, that wasn't on this album, but um, yeah, man, uh, no diggity, no doubt. Uh, you gotta bag it up, Steve. What was that? I mean, song about, Steve? Were they fucking around with dirty women or is it just bag it up like they gotta get the chick? Just no diggity, uh, no doubt. I don't, it's like Hakuna Matata. You're just like I don't know, no diggity. I don't know. I mean, there's a lot of songs that we listened to. We didn't know what the fuck they were talking about. I was like, well, shit, this sounds good on a fucking beat. But 
Oh, but, man, that's great. Uh, but in 1997, Incubus releases the album Science. It's 12 tracks, 55 minutes and 52 seconds. Um, I remember it mostly for the the cover. Uh, this was like their um, their their mascot in a way. Uh, and Brandon Boyd would become one of those new uh, teenage hottie, you know, front page of the Seventeen magazines and shit. Yeah. Uh, and I like some of their albums. Uh, the the one that they did after this um, with "Pardon Me, Pardon Me," yeah, never be the same. Yeah, but dude, they had some that, heaters, dude. They definitely had some. Yeah. Shit. We were banging this a lot in the dorms. Whatever the you said, what was the one? A fungus Among Us. That one we yeah. definitely played a lot. But yeah, Brandon Boyd was just swimming in pussy juice at this point. And I was jealous. I mean, definitely. And I'm jealous of whoever that guy is, that mustache. I mean, that's, we can all dream, Steve. You're going to get there. It, on September 9th, 1999, the MTV Video Music Awards are held again. Uh, Britney Spears has the most memorable performance of that day, and she performed her hit single, Baby One More Time. And joining uh, joining her was in sync with her song, Tearing Up My Heart. Uh, but to me, in my opinion, what really stole the show was Lil' Kim mm. and them Tatas. Oh, this was yeah. that. Yep. This was that. Yep. That stole every show, Steve. That Shout out to Little Kim back in the day. Now it's weird, but back in the day, Little Kim, that poster where she's like, I hate to say squatted down, but she's like, you know, got the fur on, she got the tats out. Yeah, Dude, that's uh, off I mean, her album cover. Young Matt had a lot of uh, intimate times alone with images of Little Kim, so. I miss that Little Kim. But dude, I mean, I, I, I'm i just, shy. I'm not gonna say anything negative. Little Kim, you a badass bitch, so shout out. Yeah, man. What, I, I would love to add to this threesome. Oh my yeah, get- God, dude, look at Mary over there. Damn. You don't Diana, realize some yeah. of these women, how hot they were. Like now, just even looking back, I didn't know that when I, I just wasn't looking, but Mary, what's up? Mary's still fine. Yeah. And yeah. Uh, Di- Diana Ross, I'm saving you for last. <laughs> Dude, but, Steve, I mean, what would you do to have that happen? Like what, what, am, what would be the pound of flesh you would pay for that? Oh man, uh, I would give my left leg. <laughs> but uh, th- now this time it's it's hosted by Chris Rock and you know it's it's the 90s and like what other person to pick to host uh, an award show uh, you know he's going to be bringing the goods man he's always been hilarious I think he, he hosted uh, the Oscar maybe a couple Oscars mm-hmm. um and now the, the mothers of the slain rappers Tupac and Notorious B.I.G., Afeni Shakur and Valletta Wallace, they came together to present the best rap video war. Uh, the Beastie Boys Adam Horowitz made a plea for peace in the wake of the sexual assaults at the Woodstock 99, which we also covered. Uh, now, near the end of the night, MTV staged a tribute to Madonna, the most nominated artist in VMA history, by presenting a host of male drag performers dressed as the singer in her past music videos. There's a lot that a lot of that shit I do remember too, dude. The VMAs used to be a thing. It used to be, you know. Um, I I could give a shit less about them now, man, because like the I don't care about the artists that they prop up 
you know, we, look at the Beastie Boys uh, on the stage with Lil Kim and, and Mary J. Blige, man. And then this is the, the birth of a young Marshall Mathers, Jesus, man. Dude. You know, this was a good time, man. You know, he, he accepted his award for Hi, My Name Is. This is... Damn, this yeah, is a great guy. Rock. This is at the beginning. Look at Lil Kim's titty. <laughs> Oh damn! This was a fucking again. This was like a monumental VMAs. Just the amount of like names that you read off—it's fucking crazy. We lived in a good time, Steve. We lived in an entertaining time. You know who sponsored this? Uh, Sega. <laughs> uh, the date of the show also coincided with the launch of the Dreamcast. Did Ooh, you have shout a Dreamcast? out to that Dreamcast? Yeah, I saved. I got that Dreamcast day of. Dude, that was a that's a system that doesn't get enough credit for a bunch of shit the memory cards had video screens on them and shit it was a wild yeah. system and it first time i enjoyed a football game really it was like a three they had a good like the first nfl 2k was on that there's some good games on that shit but yeah i had a dreamcast I had a that was dream the first one. 2k yeah i think so definitely huh. i think the vikings were like the team on that if i remember correctly i'm trying to think of like playing that shit in my basement and I think it was like you played with like uh, Dante Culpepper and Moss and shit. That was the team to beat. Hmm. Yeah, shout out to Sega Drinka. Damn, they were doing well. All that Sonic the Hedgehog money. They were funding the VMAs. Damn. And I, I also left out the fact that the big winner of the night was uh, Ricky Martin. This was also this time with that little La Vida Loca shit, hmm. um, which that's another song i couldn't wait for it to go the fuck away man you weren't singing Ugh. that in your room like i was i mean uh that's all i remember <laughs> that's what i wanted to do listen to that shit. and we lived in perrysburg which like they just they just latched onto anything that was popular so oh, of course there were God, people dude there were people who actually liked that shit and was playing that shit, man. Dude, you you went to fucking Ohio Skate or whatever that shit was called. They were playing that shit. They were playing the fucking Macarena too. Dude, shout out. We already shouted out Ohio Skate, but shout out to that again for just the amount of bruises I walked away from that place on my body just from falling so much. Just good times. Never you learned how probably... to stop on roller skates. You know who probably didn't watch this VMAs in 1999 on September 9th, Matt? Hmm. I don't know, Steve. Probably James Augustus Hunter, who goes by the nickname Catfish Hunter, professional baseball player of the major leagues. Uh, he retired in 1979 uh, and he developed persistent arm problems. Uh, he was diagnosed with amyotropic lateral sclerosis, also known as Lou Gehrig's disease in his early 50s. And he died of the disease about a year after his diagnosis. Um, Hunter has been subject of numerous popular culture references, including the Bob Dylan song Catfish. So R.I.P. Um, yeah, man, uh, those were all things September 9th. Any callbacks, honorable mentions or takeaways, Matthew? <clears throat> Steve, I'm just going to I don't want to don't want to take up too much time. I'll try to be brief on this, which I struggle with. But you remember and you mentioned it, the movie Angels in the Outfield. Yeah quintessential movie it's got joseph gordon levitt it's got danny glover uh there's a tony danza's in the movie the cute little black kid that says it could happen you remember all that yeah. yeah um did you know that that was a remake 
No. Dude, it blew my mind last night. We got a blunt, family blunt slash. We're smoking. We're just we're just scrolling. We just can't find anything to watch, which happens. And then I come across this weird. It's like a you know those like fifties pinup girls. It's like a you know it's like a Rosie Riveter, like that kind of image. Like Betty Page or some shit. So, yeah. yeah, like something like that is there, but it says Angels in the Outfield. And I'm like, what the fuck is this? It's just a random thing that showed up. And I click on it and I realized that there was an Angels in the Outfield made in 1951, Steve. Wow. I did not know this. And to pull it even more into my realm, it's about the Pittsburgh Pirates. Oh, which nice. is weird. So basically, the story, it's kind of the same story, but essentially, in this old one, the manager of the pirates is some crotchety asshole that everyone hates he's mean to everybody and they they're losing so everybody's blaming his shitty attitude on it and he starts hearing angels who say if he changes his mind or changes his ways they'll help him win and then like a girl actually sees the angels but it's very low budget i tried to like i was like how do they do this in the 50s and it's literally just guys like acting like they're getting pushed by invisible things and it's so fucking it was just mind-blowing to me because i was like i had no idea that was a remake you know i just thought somebody came up with this shit and was like hey this is a good idea no this is that was a remake steve you're inspiring a new porn parody um i'm thinking angels in the backfield or you know steve it's already i already told you about this movie this is the first porno i ever saw where ghost women jacked off men in real life <laughs> that's all we got to do and i hate to put that with angels in the outfield because it's a little weird but you know we could do that angels in the like you said bedroom i mean that's got to be in a, the bedroom that's got to be a thing already steve angels on the headboard <laughs> Get so yeah, so eye. there you go, Steve. That's my call out. Who knew that a movie that I just thought was one of those weird baseball movies from the 90s, that that was a remake, Steve. So apparently we we were living in a remake generation back then. We just didn't know it. Man, no. Something that I forgot to mention, uh, in 1997 on September 9th, we lost Burgess, Burgess Meredith. Uh, you know, famous. You're a known. bomb! Yeah, man. Uh, and also, he was the original Penguin. Ah, Batman, you're a fucking bitch. Ah. <laughs> <laughs> also, he was hilarious. But shout out to Grumpy Old Men, the movie. He was the dad in Grumpy Old Men, and he was like a perverted old man in it. And he had lines like, I'm going to hide the salami. And he was just very much like a perverted penguin. Why Hilarious. Burgess Meredith. Rest in peace, dude. You're a fucking all legend, right. bro. And he's a Clevelandite, man, which I didn't know. So, like, ah, all of those... Ah. Uh, yeah, all of those roles that we saw him in, man, that's not acting. That's how Clevelanders are. Ah, you fucking bitch! It's cold! <laughs> ah! You're a bomb! <laughs> yeah, the Browns are never gonna win. The Indians can't fucking win a Game 7 in a World Series. Ah! Rocky, I'm dying inside, sweat. Rock. Damn, I didn't know he was from Cleveland, but yeah, if nobody's seen Grumpy Old Man, Walter Matthau, and the other Jack Lemon, I think his name is, hilarious old people movie. Love it. Watch it. 
And also speaking of like dirty old men, uh, 1997 Casper, A Spirited Beginning uh, is a direct-to-video release. And the only reason I'm mentioning this is because of the, the cast selection. It stars Steve Gutenberg, uh, Lori Laughlin, Aunt Becky, and Rodney Dangerfield with Michael McKean. So like Rodney Dangerfield and uh, Aunt Becky, and then there's voices from James Earl Jones and Pauly Shore. So I don't know if what this is accessible. Fuck? How did I not see this, Steve? Exactly. Exactly. It was direct to video. Um, that's what you know. Was this? But, wait. Was this after the Ricci one? This was like the one after they released Casper the Friendly Ghost, right? This, this is after. Yeah. This is uh, September nine ninety seven. Yeah, man. And just you know, Roddy. Hell, there, there's some ghosts. Uh, yeah, <laughs> they, they never give me. They never okay. give me respect. Uh, they're spooking my brains out. Uh, Steve Gutenberg, though. I mean, this this is an all star cast. How did they not release this in theaters? I would have watched. Yeah, man. I would have watched. Oh, Becky could have used that fucking bail money. But, <laughs> man, so what's going on at Crush Gasm this week? Uh, Kendra has been like, she's done like five interviews in the last five days, like putting them in the pocket. So I don't even know which one is coming out this week. Uh, yeah. But she's been killing it, dude. She's going on shows. She's doing putting that. ones in the bag so she has stuff ready to go and uh uh as always it's going to be entertaining i think let me look i think i can give you at least a name i think it's going to be jesus christ uh girl at the rock shows it's a podcast so i don't know the individual's name but the podcast is called girl at the rock shows and uh they'll be on this week i believe to talk about some crush and as always, check it out because they're our sister show. Kendra's killing it. Um, dude, the last video she got, 80 views like in the first day. Wow. You know, so those are some good, I mean, for us, great numbers. And I mean, it's cool to watch. It's a great concept. So check out Crushgasm uh, YouTube page and it's available on all audio platforms. So check it out. Um, yeah. And uh, what's going on on Over the Culture? Uh, Over the Culture, man, uh, I'm going to be talking about this Drake album that was just released, uh, Certified Lover Boy. And also I'm gonna be talking about the Kanye album that was released last weekend and how I just spoke too soon about it. Uh, both of them are over an hour. The Kanye album is an hour and 48 minutes. I've only listened to the first six tracks and I was pleased with that. But apparently like by all accounts, the, the album overall sucks. And uh, I listened to the full Drake album and I can attest that the album fucking sucks. Now, if they would have just chopped <laughs> both of those albums in half, they probably would have been in better shape. Uh, but I'm also gonna be talking about The Muppet Show because I'm a fucking Jim Henson nerd and it fucking debuted on September 5th uh in uh, 1976 oh, so wow. i'm gonna be yeah the importance of the muppet show man and and how much of an influence it was not just on my life and my childhood but on pop culture in general man shout um, out to rizzo and gonzo my two favorite muppets so why gonzo I, I he just always talks some shit, and i just thought he had a funny vibe so i i don't know his dick nose i don't know yeah he had a he chicken really fetish too <laughs> was, i didn't remember that was, he was the weirdo of the, of the gang, and uh, I, I was more of a Kermit and Animal guy. Um, animal but, was that shit. You know, Fozzie, too. Shout out Fozzie. Pretty, you know, pretty waka. nice guy. That was probably waka, waka. who I vibed with, but shout out to Muppet Show, dude. Always pulled out some good movies in the 90s. Muppet Christmas Carol. Love that shit. So interesting. I can't wait to hear that. Great, 
was it the great muppet caper or some shit uh but yeah man uh please like share subscribe and comment say this anything steve g say, yeah, anything, say anything guys say anything in the comments just say we suck just make a comment why not yeah, because we're sick of those bots who are just saying and it's always like a, or it's like a, you see the picture and it's like a porn star like great vid and it's like wait what some Russian porn star loves our show maybe they do Steve I don't know but make a comment if you're a porn star whatever if you're somebody in Ohio that hates our show and hates us just give us a shout tell us we love the comments it helps us I also got to mention we're now available on Stitcher. Thanks to Matt. Um, I didn't know we weren't available on Stitcher, but now we are. It's complicated. Um, we're going to get on more things. I keep trying to find these like other avenues that Anchor does it because we're on like the major ones because of Anchor, but there's these other offshoots that just help out. So we'll get them on. We'll get happened in the 90s on everywhere. If, you, if you're in some jungle and all you have is Stitcher now, there you go. You're welcome. Yeah. Yeah, man. Stitcher, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, uh, Comcast, Cable Sports, Comavision. And <laughs> this is Steve G, Mad G with Happen, Happen in the, the 90s. 90s. Ah. Ah.